Welcome to 21st Century Saints, our podcast and live stream series for members and those affiliated with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints here in the United Kingdom and Alana. And around the world. Around the world. <laughs> Alana, like last time, you had a, you've got a situation. What you, Your poor little laptop my died. My laptop is going to laptop heaven and I'm having to use my iPod, or my iPod, what's the iPad. And it's given a little bit of feedback off my mic, unfortunately. So before you all go crazy in the comments about the sound, we are really, really sorry. But um, yeah, that's that's why it's happening. But Alana, you know what? we? This is a rough and ready podcast, right? Our show is all about kids coming to interrupt and, uh, you know, all of the things that can go wrong, go wrong. And we make it work because this is all about the conversations we wish we could have at church. But where would so, the beautiful people go and get Alana a new laptop? Where could they possibly oh, go to, oh to send some money to help Alana maybe get a new laptop or something? Do, do I see a link down oh. below in the comments? Oh, thank you so much for pointing that out. Um, so we, we're also this super preparing for the Brit Avengers pantomime. Um, yeah. <laughs> PD, you're going to be hosting that pretty soon. Uh, if you could tell us a little bit about that at the end as a, before we all go. But as you can see tonight, we have the whole Brett Vengers team. Minus, we don't have Lynn with us and we don't have our wonderful Laura with us. But we are here and we are ready to talk. Um, before we get started, thank you so much, donors. We really appreciate uh, your sacrifice, especially at a time when it's really, really tough to do. Please know that your money is going to excellent use. Um, we will be updating you in the next couple of weeks about what's been happening. We have so many things to report back. Um, but we want to just jump in tonight with um, uh, what happened through the week. I was chilling out ready to go to bed, looking forward to a, a, a lovely, relaxing week. And uh, one of the Brit Vengers shares a link to this this talk. And i got to say, I was mad. Um, I was really, really frustrated. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play, for your viewing enjoyment, a tiny little bit of this uh, this this talk. Um, does, does While I get that on the screen, does... Um, Peter, would you like to share who this talk was aimed at? Who, who's given the talk? Who was it for? And why was it for? Oh. So um, Ahmed Corbett is one of the councillors in the Young Men General Presidency. Um, Brad Wilcox is the other councillor. And people may have come across Ahmed when he was kind of brought out to try and um, rescue Brad from his racist uh, <laughs> teachings to the youth of the Alpine Stake. And so a week later, they had him speaking to Canadians and Ahmed just happened to be there to point out that Brad has black friends and isn't racist, really. And um, he in this talk, he gave it on the 4th of October. So about a month ago to um, a, a bunch of, of chaplains. So the church has chaplains who work in the military and in prisons and in, in all kinds of roles. So he's doing some training for them. And church news did a big article about this talk he gave uh, and had links to a transcript to the talk and to the full video of it which is quite unusual because normally church news kind of filters the talk by general authority and just get a few bits so we can actually see the whole thing and experience it in all its glory and his focus is saying that one of satan's greatest strategies today is something he gave an acronym acronym um ATC, which is um, activism towards or against the church, and um, in which he, which is basically a response to what is happening. All of these podcasters and Sam Young and other people doing various forms of activism to raise awareness about issues so, in the church. Sorry, Peter. Try sorry to, to bring about change. Go on, Julian. I think we just need to check that Nemo's okay because he started to move around in a very strange way. I, I don't know whether he was having a stroke or some kind of seizure. Are you okay, Nemo? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I just got a bit okay. too infected by my trip to America. 
they Americanized me. I've, I've showed already too much emotion. I'll rein it in. Thank you. I, I think it's because PD had started some dance moves. I feel like you're going to say it this talk. To... Oh, is that dance moves? No. All, 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 all I can uh, hear is the Jackson 5 ABC. It's ATC. I'm thinking about you and me. Oh, I thought it was like YMCA. I thought it was A T C. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's let's see what he's talking about. Uh. I'm going to. SCMC to the YMCA. We need to make that happen. Yeah. Well, I'm going to attempt to share the screen and let's let's see a little bit of what he's talking about here. Work technology. Come on, you can do this. <laughs> we'll have to do a dramatic reconstruction. <laughs> it is, it well, is going to work. Peter, is, oh, come on, everybody, push. I'm not oh. doing blackface. That's a step too far. The Brit Avengers cursed because it was working last time we used it. These are so many wedding night lines. <laughs> work. Work, Camille. Right, I know you can baby. do it. Just push. You've done it before. Nemo. This oh. has to work because in the chat before, in the Britvengers chat, Peter's like, make sure that it works. You've got to have the, the all the clips yeah. and everything. He said, so... we have no show without the clips. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. So we all going to just jump on John's panel that's going live at nine. And be like, hey, John. <laughs> Whoa. Have you got any clips? Just invade his panel. <laughs> That would be carnage, wouldn't it? That would be are we can are we able to share our screens, Jane? Is there a share option for guests? Sorry, so I I thought that it was already sharing. So my deepest apologies. Let me just we will do it one more time. So the first clip that we had isn't working, so we're going to jump to the second clip anyway. So let me just let me just try this one more time then and we'll be good. We should be all good, hopefully. And okay. while Jane sorts all that out, I will remind you, lovely folks at home, that there is a donate button if you value this content. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, we're going to go back just a tiny little bit. Okay, here goes. But this is my doctrine, that such things should be done away. He famously taught contention is of the devil. This obviously applies to all God's children in any age and without regard to culture. The Lord also commanded, contend against no church, save it be the church of the devil. Given this prohibition, one can hardly justify a contentious approach towards the Lord's own church. Yet ATC not only foments such contention, but justifies it as noble. Because ATC faces away from church leaders rather than toward them in a different take on face, which way do you face? It is easily influenced by similar secular movements or causes outside the church. ATC teaches for doctrine the commandments of men, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. We must find ways to help our beloved brothers and sisters see that ATC is the world's approach, not the light of the world or a city on a hill. In my view, ATC is one of the most masterful deceptions of our time, astutely spun by the great liar from the beginning who deceiveth the whole world. He now has many thousands of years of practice and experience craftily and carefully overthrowing faith in Jesus Christ and in his servants. ATC is eerily similar to the pre-mortal rebellion against the Father's plan. That rebellion also apparently had a relentless focus on whether others were wrong. Quote, the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which did accuse them before our God day and night. Close quote. And it was also supposedly in the interests of a greater good, our assured salvation. Like ATC, it was very effective deceiving a third part of our father's spirit children in his presence. How should we counsel church members who encounter injustice or mistreatment? The Lord has made much provision for accomplishing his work. These include making an appointment with local leaders, 
humbly and lovingly expressing concerns, sharing observations, even lodging formal complaints. Indeed, the Lord's revealed system of sustaining common consent invite and encourage such righteous approaches in the face of misconduct. As a local priesthood leader, I've been the recipient of complaints regarding leaders at every level of the church. When such complaints were properly approached, the complaining party and I were mutually edified, and we saw effective resolution of the issues legitimately raised. Did she? On, one, on the one occasion I can think of where ATC got involved, uh, let me briefly share that. A recently activated brother protested my teaching of the family, a proclamation to the world. He very publicly and obviously walked out of the sacrament meeting during my talk. He also failed to sustain his leaders at various levels. As his stake president, I counseled him about the impropriety of his method and helped him understand the prophetic principles he had misunderstood. I might add that although his conduct was inappropriate, church leaders continued to help him financially support his family for a time and regain employment. Ooh, aren't we so, so great? great. I can't <laughs> listen to any more. Can we stop? <laughs> just... Oh, great. I uh, just like every time you thought it stopped, it just kept getting worse. Right. It just. No, oh. but he said he he was going on about uh, pre-earth life mm. and how mm. this is all very whatever and picking fault. Was fault not picked with Satan's plan? If fault mm -hmm. was not picked with his plan, because he goes on about, oh, well, it's those who pick fault. Well, get Elohim up there because he clearly picked fault with Satan's plan because he didn't choose it. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, stop flipping, blowing smoke, you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so like, and he talks about, oh, you sit down there mm -hmm. and in the right way, there is a place for concerns to be. Mm -hmm. I will tell you from personal experience, when you raise those concerns, your answer is get back in your box, son. I love it how he put the church above the man who questioned and walked out of his talk because he said, and we even like bought him shopping and helped him get yeah. a job. And he's just like, well, that's what Jesus would do, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, want, I want to talk about that man. Julian, uh, will you go first? Uh, yeah. Um, my head is hurting. I, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know whether that is just the biggest load of nonsense I've heard or whether it's actually really horrifyingly scary to listen to something like that. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm really torn between just wanting to ridicule it and just being really, really concerned that this is the kind of stuff that's been put out there. Um, well, you know, we, we, it's... Sorry, go on, Jane. Uh, that's actually... That was my reaction too. And uh, I... I, I really was searching my soul to sort of think, is is this because, could it be possible that perhaps that he's, and he specifically calls out podcasts and these types of things. Um, is it possible that we are doing something that is so against what is right that perhaps this feeling is just, you know, the discomfiture that I should naturally feel if, if I'm in a state of sin. But I, I have been thinking about um, Doctrine and Covenants. Uh, what is it? Section section 9. Um, Behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your mind and then ask me if it's right. And if it is right, I will cause that your bosom should burn within you. Therefore, ye shall feel that it is right. But if it be not right, you shall have no such feelings. You shall have a stupor of thought. Now, that uncomfortable feeling, I, I mean, I, I know that this is not, it's not edifying. It's not helpful. Um, he speaks there to people who actually, you know, what his advice to people who have legitimate concerns it, it was to what speak to the state president. It will PD. get them nowhere. Yeah, PD. You're muted. You're muted, my son. That scripture was obviously written by a person who spends all of their time in a stupor of thought, feeling uncomfortable about the decisions they've made in the past, and that any time they have a clear thought, it has to be from God. Sorry, Ooh. that really annoyed me. I'm mm -hmm. I just. Are, are, are the church really struggling that much that this is what it's come to? I know they won't admit that, but I can't help but feel from reading that that this is the really, really big push now on 
stay away from these podcasters because they know that people are listening. They know that people are being taken away from the church because of that. And I'm not saying that's the whole reason for people leaving the church, but I think a big part of it is where a lot of people, you know, leave, you know, like the letters and all the different things. So I feel like they're putting this out there to try and stop people from looking at these things so that they can keep them within the church. Um, you know, that that's just my, my opinion. Edie? I was just going to say that Fine Girl in the chat had a very good point that without ATC and without activism, then Brother Ahmed, who is black, would not have the priesthood today because it took decades of activism to get the church to change on that. The and, church and... will never admit that it was the activism. Yeah, yeah, well... yeah but the point, the point being, what he's speaking against is those who speak against their leaders. And there were even apostles at the time who would speak against their leaders, but the leader wasn't willing to... He, he Do does it. talk about a good kind of activi activism. I mean, you know, a, a America being sort of built on that. Good activism is the activism yeah. that agrees with the leader. And and there we go. So, you know, as, as someone who is trying really hard to sort of think, OK, what what can I take from this? What what can I learn? Do you have a point? I look to church teachings and and I genuinely cannot feel anything else other than really bloody worried <laughs> really really worried because how he I, I think in the beginning of the the church news article which we've if you scroll back up the comments we have posted a link there um he starts off by talking about the example of this member who publicly well first of all he walks out because of how brother Ahmed himself is, is teaching the family proclamation. So, you know, it's, I, we're not even necessarily having a concern about the proclamation itself, which I do. Um, but, you know, how he's teaching the proclamation, um, he publicly walks out. And I don't know if he does it in the style of Peter Bleakley wearing his, wearing his um, activism hat or, you know, what that looks like. But he's made it clear to everyone around him that he doesn't agree. But oh my goodness, the, the man is, uh, we have to get into the story that the man hasn't got any employment and that he struggles to feed his family, but it's okay, we'll do that. you know. And while we're doing that, we'll teach you how to think properly about it. Julia, what, what if he was just it's walking just out to the bathroom? Yeah. Mm. Well, I think he did have a conversation, <laughs> but Julian... <laughs> Thanks. Um, yes, this this kind of a thought that's going through in my head is something that I've been thinking about a lot recently. Um, and this is the idea that um, that the LDS Church uh, is is a little bit well, it's completely based on a on a fantasy. Um, in that there is this, or, or, you know, certainly the the current kind of um, paradigm is based on this fantasy, this illusion of agreement, um, where. The reality is, I'm pretty confident that if you went to a, you just imagine a scenario where you've got a state conference and you said that the state president could get up at the pulpit and say, look, I'm going to ask you some questions now. You must all answer honestly. There'll be no repercussions for, for, for your answers, but it's really important that we all answer honestly. And started to reel off a few questions. So, you know, hands up, who believes that this is God's one true church on the earth? Now, I could be completely wrong. I, I can only guess from what I see, but I would imagine that there's probably a good third of the congregation that, that wouldn't put their hand up if that question was asked. You know, if they said, well, you know, put your hands up if you believe that homosexuality is a sin. I'm, I'm absolutely certain that 50%, at least 50% of the congregation um, wouldn't put their hand up. So, you know, it's probably... Almost certainly nobody under 25 would put their hand up. And and you could go on and on and ask lots of different, you know, hands up who thinks that um, that Russell M. Nelson is the one um, spokesman for God on the earth, you know, that, that kind of thing. And we'd see that there's a massive variance in what, um, what people actually believe in. Um, so there is this illusion of agreement because we sit there and we all pretend that we all believe the same things. And we've even got this ritual where on a monthly basis we get up 
and we kind of read out this mantra of, I know that this is true and this is true and this is true and this is true. We all know exactly what those things are. And the church has even in the past kind of given us instructions to make sure that we kind of stick to this format, to make sure that we are reciting this mantra of, we all agree with this. We all agree with this. We all agree with this. And it's a, it's a complete fantasy. It's an illusion. And we also all know that it's very, very difficult and you, you, it quickly becomes quite uncomfortable for you or you may even get excommunicated if you express these different views, if you say, well, actually, no, I don't believe in that or I don't believe in that. Um, and so a talk like this is created just to keep everybody in that fantasy land, in that box. Don't, if you feel this way, don't speak out because actually it's wrong. You know, you can't be an activist. You can't do this. Just quietly, if you've got any concerns, quietly go. I mean, that, the, the example that he gave, somebody walked out. I mean, for goodness sake, it's not like he kind of, you know, kind of raged out of there. He just got up and he walked out. But that's and it's not no okay. different. It's no different to raising your hand and saying, I object. Well, I, oppose, I, right? I think that from, from what I understand of his talk, so let, let's say that this man was so offended by what was being taught that he did do a rage storm. <laughs> let's say he's also been publicly um, opposing leaders. It sounds like the sustaining vote thing has been happening, which, as you point out, you do by the raising of a hand. Um, he... Brother Ahmed uses uses the word, he counsels him about the impropriety of his methods. Um, people who voted opposed here or who have expressed those concerns, could you speak a little bit to the impropriety of voting opposed mm. or, or leaving when something is offensive? Nemo? It's the tone police. They come out to play. Uh, it happens when I posted videos of myself opposing online. Yeah. People come out and say, oh, well, you don't need to stand up. Oh, well, you don't need to say it audibly. Doesn't this guy know you just need to raise your hand? When I mm. did it the other day uh, at my most recent ward conference, I stood up and then the people behind me started whispering, oh, he's the same guy that did it at state conference. That's that guy. Right. So it's this thing. It causes whispers. It causes rumors. It causes people to talk about you because it's improper but yet they ask for it they ask if anyone opposed so i told them but they're not used to that happening though and that like i made the point obviously when i spoke about my vote opposed is that um if i hadn't have vocally spoken out my vote would not have been noted by the person doing the service because he didn't look up enough to see me Mm. where i was sat so you know, anyone who's said that, I, well, I wouldn't have been seen if I hadn't have vocally spoken out because mm-hmm. they're not used to that happening. So they don't always look. And I mm-hmm. raised that with my state president, that you need to make sure whoever's conducting that business gives enough time for them to fully look around the room and be aware of who's opposing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to go to PD, then Julian, then Peter. I just wanted to say that as a child in the ward that I grew up in, there was a sister mm-hmm. and we ribbed her for it. But any time the hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers was supposed to be sung she would get up and walk out and everyone knew that when onward christian soldiers came up this sister would walk out and it got to the point i swear over the years where the leadership would schedule every now and then onward christian soldiers just so something interesting happened in sacrament like but everyone knew as soon as you walked in you saw the number whatever it was up on the board you were just like the intermediate him we're gonna have a walk out you know and <laughs> it was really mean on her because she obviously had a, a very deep line issue with that him and, and the whole thing of being a christian and a soldier and her you know opinion on that and it must have been really uncomfortable for her having to walk out but yeah the, the they don't care yeah jillian um yeah so this just a comment on the voting opposed and, and the, the response that you get from that it's you know people you're, you're making people feel uncomfortable and that is the real problem um and that kind of betrays the fact and this is totally related to to, to this talk and, and what's been discussed there that all of this has got absolutely nothing to do with with faith in christ it's got nothing to do with with faith in the gospel or anything like that all of this is about loyalty. It's just mm. about loyalty. This is football religion. I've got my team. I'm loyal to them no matter what. It doesn't matter how poorly they perform. 
I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to say anything bad uh, uh, about them because they're my team. And that's the real issue. And, and obviously we see that manifest in so many ways. It's all about loyalty. Peter. Um, I think uh, what, what you said about wondering whether to just laugh at the ludicrousness or actually be really scared by this talk is really what I was feeling when I was listening to it again this morning. It sends a chill down my spine. I mean, it's so, the guy is not that clever. He's a terrible scriptorian. He lied about several scriptures in this talk, but he lied about scriptures. That's sinister. That is scary. And the, the, he begins his talk talking about, in a sense, um, there's a gospel way to do these things, not the worldly way, not the secular activist way, you know. Um, but by the end, the punchline turns out to be what he believes the gospel way is or the gospel that is being opposed by this is that we must consider the apostles to be exactly the same as God. And he repeats this several times that they have a unique conduit. They literally are speaking for God all the time. No compromise. Yet because their tactic these days, they teach the opposite. He said, of course, the leaders are fallible as all that our friends at church do, and then they flip to, but you can't oppose them because they're infallible. He, he played all those games. He, he talked about, he actually went a little farther than usual. He said, I agree with a lot of the things these activists are opposing. I share those concerns. He talked about how he is a beneficiary as a black man of the activism of Martin Luther King and so on. But the absolute hypocrisy throughout all of this is the Mormon prophets opposed Martin Luther King. They, Ezra Taft Benson got up in actual general conference and said he was a cons part of a communist conspiracy. They, he, he, he talks about how the American constitution protects freedom of expression and rights and so on, but then says you can't do that in the church. Um, and he says it's essential that you have protest and that you have uh, uh, checks and balances on power. He talks about that being essential in government, but then you can't have that in the church, even though it's it's in our own constitution. So he, he's playing these double things. He's teaching literally Lucifer's plan of salvation. I mean, he said there that these activists are offering assured salvation like Lucifer. No, we're not. No one, I know activists are saying, if you follow us, we'll guarantee you'll all get saved. He's just plonking that Lucifer script on us. When actually it's far more, yeah, it's far more, we're saying, think for yourself, be diverse. But what he, what he is actually teaching and he doesn't see it is Lucifer's religion, which is unconditional obedience to these leaders. And no, um, no, no disagreement, no thinking for yourself. It's not your place. And I, I want to. That he's doing that. I want to come yeah. back to obedience to the leaders um, in a second. Mm. Nemo, then Julian. Yeah, I, I just wanted to jump in and say that it seems to me that when they, what I've observed is two things. One is a really strange situation to be in, and I've said this before, but it's a strange situation to find yourself in. To be surrounded by people telling you that the prophets are fallible, but those same people refuse to contend with the very things that make them fallible. So we can't have a conversation about how they're fallible. We can't suggest that there are ways maybe they could be less fallible, but we have to accept that they're fallible. Hmm. So it's bizarre. And then the other thing, I think, just to round off that question you asked, uh, Jane, about this sort of tone policing and whatnot, uh, a thought that came to mind, I wrote it down, uh, when they can't contend with your argument, they will contend with your method. And I feel like that's the way that they treat us. I've noticed that once people stop being able to contend with the substance of my argument, that they're being dishonest, that this, that, that, they'll start to say, oh, but it's the way you're saying it. Or, oh, but you don't have to do it this way. Or you don't have to go about it like that. Uh, Peter, I'm sure you've experienced the same um, as of all of us. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was excommunicated by tone policers. Literally, the, the repeated mantra of my state president in excommunicating me was it, he, we can't possibly tolerate people speaking about the leaders in this way or using this language. Um, and no other religion would tolerate it, which, of course, they do, you know, don't get excommunicated for criticizing the Pope, um, at least not for several centuries now. Um, so it's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's incredible. It, it becomes the religion. 
I mean, part of his inability to understand scripture is he did a whole spiel about how the people who opposed Jesus, the street activist, were activists against the Christian church. They weren't in his religion, he said, that they were from somewhere else. Like, they were the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests of his religion, his it's, Jewish religion. It's almost like he, the philosophies of men have been mingled with scripture, isn't it? Like, Sorry, Julian. He, he, he can't even read the scripture. He's not even mingling it. He mangles it. He just makes up complete nonsense to suit his, his narrative. And Julian. he literally Julian. thought that the Pharisees weren't Jews. I mean, you can't make this bollocks up. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's uh, and there, there's a lot of that kind of double standard going on, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, th that's exactly what it is. It's just a double standard, you know. Um, Ruth pointed out in there about the fact that that Jesus was an activist. You know, he was was directly opposing, very vocally, the religious authority of his day. Um, was Samuel the Limonite an activist? Was Captain Moroni an activist? You know, all of these things, and, and, and you can extend this with so much. And, and this really, this especially kind of, it, it really gets me when he talks about, you know, people doing this and, and you know, and almost like it's a noble thing that they're doing. And this, this double standard, it's okay for them, but it's not okay for us. You know, when we was in the church, you know, this is one of the things, I'm, I'm really going to rant now, sorry. But, you know, with me... When I left the church, one of the things that upset certain people was the fact that I was vocal about it, the fact that I got involved with Sunstone and I started coming online and talking about it and things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, people would say, you know, well, why, why have you got to talk about it? You know, if you're going to leave, then just, just leave quietly. Why have you got to talk about it? It's such a, you know, cliche, isn't it? But it was okay. They loved it when I had something to say before. They loved it. They put, in fact, it's, it's funny. They, they, I've, I've got... Um, a bit of a story from my mission was I'm, the areas that I served in um, the, the chapel was right next to a Catholic church and we had quite good relationships with them and you know we went and had a chat with the, the vicar at one point and we said oh well, well we'll come to one of your sermons and when we went to to the sermon one Saturday um, it just so happened that he'd gone away somewhere and there was this other guy giving the, the sermon but he's talking about the fact that it was Christian Unity Week. You know, isn't it great that we've got Christian Unity Week this week? Um, but he said, although, you know, we've got to have unity within the Christian faith, it's really important that we understand that we are the true church and that some of those other religions um, have got some really wacky beliefs. You know, so, for example, this this church believes this and that church believes that. And those so-called Christians, the Mormons, they believe that you can't give give blood. And... Um, much to the the distress of my um, my district leader who was there, I I shouted out said no, that's not true, that's not right, you know, and everyone kind of stopped and kind of turned and you know he, someone kind of questioning the priest and um, and you know it, anyway it, it turned out okay, you know they didn't take us out and 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 uh, you know kill us or anything like that. It all it all turned out okay and the the vicar that was the local vicar saw us later and kind of apologized and said oh yeah we never should have said that whatever but anyway i've told that story so many times um, to active people and they're all it's kind of like yeah yeah oh that's good that's yeah you you stood up for what you believe in you spoke out for it why isn't it okay now why isn't it okay now it's because i've switched teams that that's what it is again it's, it's this not on their team, now. team yeah now that i've switched teams those things that were a virtue are now a vice you know, us being active, actively engaged in a good cause. Isn't that a Mormon thing? Mm -hmm. Isn't that what we're doing? We're being actively engaged in a mm. good cause. But it's not a good thing now. Yeah, PD. It, it's the same with the spirit. Like, you can feel the spirit as a Mormon. And as a Mormon, you have the whole gift of the Holy Ghost and the whole spirit. But down the road at another church where they're feeling the spirit, they can't feel it quite like you can because you're a Mormon. You know, um, but they they have uh, the influence of the spirit. But what if it's the other way around? What if what you're feeling is just the influence of the spirit and you don't know the glorious euphoria down the road where people start speaking in tongues and levitating in the middle of the room or whatever? You know, you don't you don't know that. Like they'll laugh and say, oh, he looks like a chicken. But he's feeling euphoria to make him look like chicken. You just sit there dour face thinking, when is this meeting going to be over? 
Oh, well, let me throw through this quote in because this talk is it's really framed as um, protecting you. If you want to be protected, you don't listen to the activists um, and stay away from activism in general. Not only is it presented to chaplains, I got the impression that youth have heard this talk before. Um, ju just, you know, the, how he opens the talk, I think he's sort of using it for a few different audiences. Um, but one of the audiences, you know, we've, we've got chaplains, we've got youth. He also talks about it in terms of people who are transitioning away from, you know, he says other religions, which I think the word other is unnecessarily, but people who are in faith transition, um, this is something that you want to keep this uh, this vulnerable group safe from. And fairly early on, it's I, I'm curious to get your, your thoughts on this. He says, but activism or advocacy directed towards or against the church is a secular worldly device misapplied in a spiritual otherworldly context. Change in the kingdom of God is not accomplished in the same way as changes in, say, government. When activism or advocacy is directed at the kingdom of God on earth or its leaders, especially prophets and apostles, it is the wrong tool for the wrong job in the wrong place. Why? Because it effectively but subtly undermines the doctrine of Christ, which is God's plan for changing, saving and exalting his children. So could we talk a little bit about that? Can, can I just say they can't compare themselves to any sort of government because governments take a vote. Mm -hmm. The Americans all know that right now with the midterms. You know, they, they yeah. cannot bring that into it. Um, Nemo? Just for Harriet Atkinson's benefit, um, the ATC is what uh, Brother Corbett used to describe advocacy towards, or, or yeah, advocacy towards church, against the church. Activism, uh, activism against activism. the church. Activism is the word. Activism is the word I'm after. Um, what I was going to say um, was that what if, just what if, your plan in this activism towards the church is to actually bring to pass God's work and glory, which is the immortality and eternal life of man? What if your plan is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of innocent children who are being abused by their priesthood leaders? And so that's what you're performing activism against. What did Jesus say about little children? Plenty. What did he say about protecting your billions? Not a lot. So I'm just going to say there's a big golden Jesus man. Do? There's a big golden man that stands in my bedroom every night mm -hmm. and he tells me opposition in all things. I'm the opposition because if it weren't for us guys, um, then the the plan couldn't come to pass. See, there must need to be opposition in all things. Julian. Um, yeah, in, in answer to your question, Jane, I think it's really important. I wish this is something that I wish, you know, I could get let a lot of. Uh, this is going to sound really kind of patronising, but you know, I do think that a lot of of um, of TBMs just don't understand this. That that this this version is a version of the church, a version of the doctrine that is being peddled here. It's not. The original, you know, I, I think it's really strange. This idea, R um, Russell Nelson talked about. I can't remember when it was, but he talked about the idea that it's an ongoing restoration. Rest restoration of what? What is he restoring? Because the church was never ever like this. This totalitarian dictatorship of a church. It was never like that. That wasn't Jesus's church. That wasn't Joseph's church. It wasn't even Brigham's church. This is Russell's church. This is a modern creation, and it hasn't always been that that way. The whole um, uh, the whole opposing vote thing is just is fantastic because you know it's almost like they forgot that that was in there, and when now people are starting to actually use it to to you know to share their voice and say no, I'm not happy about this. They're all up in arms because like, well, no, you're not supposed to do that. Yes, you are. That's why it's there. That's why it was designed. Um, and they've forgotten that. They've forgotten that. And and so they've created again, it's this fantasy idea of the church that 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 they've got. And if you're gonna say, um, if you're gonna say that these people are fallible, but you've got to treat them like they're not, well, what's the difference? What is the difference? Uh, exactly. Yeah. To to my to my point I was making earlier, June, that's exactly right. You're in a position where you're being asked 
to accept that they're fallible, but you're not allowed to deal with any of their fallibilities. So you may as well, quite right, may as well just treat them like they're infallible because it, there's no functional difference there. Yeah. Peter. Um, I think it's really important to, part of the reason this feels like a vergence of the force or this talk is so significant is it is repeating and building on what previous people have said. So um, as we've already sort of mentioned, um, Dallin Oakes gave his talk, Opposition in All Things, which Nemo and I did um, a loyal opposition sort of response to, um, in which he basically said, um, all these freedoms are okay in the secular, secular sphere, which is what Brother Corbett's saying in his talk, but you can't do them at church. There is no place in God's kingdom for the concept of loyal opposition. And I think it was uh, like just weeks later, Dan, um, Dallin Oaks was in the British Parliament, the mother of parliaments, the home of the loyal opposition. The idea that you can still be considered completely loyal to your country while serving as um, an opposing vote or a, an opposition to properly discuss ideas, to put them through the marketplace of ideas um, and have truth emerge from that, from that conflict and that discussion. Um, and then, so that's one influence clearly on Brother Corbett. So I think what's so fascinating about him is he has listened. He has got the messages from these key senior general authorities. And this is how it comes out. This is the mindset you end up with. And it's chilling. And the other thing is he, he quoted huge chunks of Henry B. Eyring's April 2019 general conference talk, The Power of Sustaining Faith, which I mention in nearly every episode of my podcast um, because it was so important. And I've really felt validated by this talk because I've tried to keep mentioning that because it was so significant. It's where um, Henry B. Eyring said, it is a sin we must repent of, and most of the church members need to repent of regularly to speak or even think of the leaders having human weakness. And he then quotes George Q. Cannon, who had six wives and lived in the 1800s and was also in the first presidency of several prophets, um, saying that only God can judge any leader in the church. So it is not your place. So he quoted all those things directly. And I was like, yes, I wasn't sort of worried about this talk by Iring for no reason, because I have been a bit obsessional about it, I'll admit, um, because it was so dangerous and so evil. And I thought, you can't, we can't forget this is being embedded in people's minds. And this talk is the proof that it has become the mindset of the leadership class of the church now. And they are, they are teaching it repeatedly. Um, so he, he's, he's really, it's not just him being, I mean, where he's left to think for himself, he's, he's a twit. He's really gormless. He's a lawyer. He's not a scriptorian. He misquotes scriptures, but he can, he can repeat <laughs> the conditioning and the messaging he's been getting from Dallin Oaks and Henry B. Eyring and others. And he's repackaging it in a slick way for all these chaplains and for the church news to report on for the whole membership. Yeah, this okay. is a phenomenon. I, it's a I'm going to drop real. another quote in yep. then from his talk. Brother Corbett taught that ATC effectively gaslights mm. church members <laughs> who engage in it. Not in the sense that it manipulates them to question <laughs> their own sanity, but in that it narrows the mind, enlarges beams and blind spots and invites oh. judgmentalism all at once. <laughs> Can I ring his bell and bell? <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> yeah, he redefining what the word gaslighting actually mm. means <laughs> was not lost on me. Anybody want to shoot? This is, this is the sound that we've all been making all week and because we're all mm. we're also going to talk for a moment just to bring in gaslighting. We want to talk about gaslighting. And I also want to bring in, um, just to make PD super ragey, Sherry Dew spoke this, <laughs> spoke this, uh, well, we I saw her talk this week. She's spoken the same month about um, she hates podcasts too, apparently. She doesn't like what we're doing either. Um, the source of all knowledge is, is profits and her talk to um, BYU, Idaho. Hawaii. BYU, Hawaii. I, Hawaii, I do apologize. She, uh, yeah, profits can see around corners. So and can I with a little handheld mirror. <laughs> Next. 
Which corners are they looking round? Because they weren't looking round the COVID corner, were they? They weren't looking no. round the global economic crisis corner. Oh, no, sorry, they were. They were hoarding loads of money, weren't they? They're, they're looking around the Enzyme Peak corner, like yeah. peeking yeah. around. Yeah. How much have we got? They look, around, they look around the legal liability corner very, very well. Oh, I won't say it, but maybe my it's question. the PE changing room corner. Carry on. <laughs> Find out more at 21st Century Saint Safeguarding Project. <laughs> we, I, I have a, I have a question about this, um, because both Brother Corbett and uh, Sherry do specific questions are being asked um, or are presented in their talk that they just don't answer. So, in the case of of Brother Corbett, well. What what do we do if we see injustice? Um, and so we we can be talking about the person who votes opposed, but he's specifically speaking to if you see anything that's wrong, or if you experience anything that's wrong, abuse, harm, things that are really problematic, and you have to speak up. That there is no good way to, or he's certainly not presented a helpful way to do that. What do you do in this situation? And Sherry Dew, who's also being asked, um. You know, in the same line as brother brother Corbett, what what about you know? Do, do we are leaders infallible? Now, I I don't know about you guys. I I am not hearing from any ex Mormon um, that I've ever met claiming infallibility of of leaders. It's just I, I feel like when you when we keep coming back to leaders are human they're going to make mistakes if you're just focusing on their human weakness then you're missing the greater point of what's being taught I, I, I hear what you're saying but it's still not answering the question Nemo we're, uh, we're not missing the greater point if what they're doing wrong is causing harm because yes. the greatest point should be that people shouldn't be harmed by the church and uh, so we should say something about that I'm going to tease something to those watching um, make sure you're tuning into your dose of Mormonism live soon because I will be talking about how I did just what Brother Corbett said we should do. Um, and Dan and H. Oaks saw my reasons. Uh, Dan and H. Oaks received a document of my reasons and his reply will shock you. So tune in and we'll be talking all about it. But I just want to make it clear what Brother Corbett is suggesting does not work. <sighs> Thank you for that, Nemo. And that is going to be an episode not to be missed. Um, okay, so are, are we just are we focusing on the wrong question? I mean, they they are we. I, I just feel like this is such a fundamental primary question that nobody's actually answer. You know, asking. Um, should we are, are we focusing on the fact that they're they're human? What do we, what do we do with that when they keep kicking the ball down the street, Julian? I, I've had this conversation many times in my head because no one really talks to me about this stuff. This is the, you never really have these conversations, do you? So I just have to imagine the conversations that I'd have. Um, so when someone says to me, you know, yeah, of course, of course they're, they're fallible. You know, of course they're not perfect. Hmm. What I want to ask is, well, okay, that's fine. How perfect could we expect them to be? How fallible are, you know, what, what's the threshold? What's the threshold? Because when when they say that, that you know that what they mean is, of course they're not perfect. Of course they're not perfect. You know, they might every now and again they might get a little bit angry with somebody. You know, they might have a little bit of a to do with their wife, or you know, argue over what TV channel they're watching or whatever. And and they they kind of imagine these kind of inconsequential um, failings. And what nobody does is. <laughs> what nobody does is kind of thinks well what okay well what's the threshold is it okay for them to lie yeah i mean i know that's something that you've talked about a lot um nima is it okay for them to lie is it okay for them to lie to the whole church is it okay for them to cover to up jokes, yes is it okay for them to cover <laughs> up abuse um do, do you know what i mean it's like you, the, the question is isn't well are they allowed to be fallible of course they're allowed to be fallible but but what what should we be able to expect from them? Because I think they're failing us. Mm. Yeah. I, I Can I, I just I, share a, an on-the-ground experience? So a couple of weeks ago, we had in Gospel Doctrine in my wards, 
um, the lesson about Jeremiah and prophets. I want to know about what you did on the ground. <laughs> and, um, oh, Lord. Um, and in the lesson, it was fairly bog standard fare. This, you know, aren't we lucky that we got living prophets today that we can trust? And, and the teacher and another person both repeated the mantra, they will never lead us astray. And, and repeating what Sherry's saying, what Wendy Nelson is saying repeatedly, clearly like channeling their husband, uh, Russell. Well, Russell and, said it himself. Yes, and he said it himself, that the prophet is the only voice you can trust in the whole world. Don't trust the scientists. Don't trust journalists. Don't trust anyone, any academics. No one else. You can, uh, Oakes has said this, um, that they are the most reliable sort of voice of truth in the universe, you know. Um, and I had to chat afterwards to a sister who'd given a talk in, in sacrament meeting earlier, and she'd actually addressed people leaving the church. And I thanked her. I said, thank you so much for addressing this, because hardly anyone talks about it. And I'm sitting in this ward that's now down to 25 members and falling, um, and we're going to disappear soon. So it's quite nice to have someone notice that we're losing people. Um, her solution was a list of one of these stake presidency lists of 10 things to do to be faithful. You know, everyone should just read their scriptures more and pray and do the, you know, the list. And I said, actually, you know, kindly, you know, trying to just sort of have a conversation. Um, I think you're actually missing quite a lot of things. You know, that isn't the reason people are leaving. Often they double down on that before they go. It's, it's issues of trust in the leaders and, and not being able to process when they let them down or when they're dishonest and so on and her instant reaction was well we don't believe the leaders are infallible you know they're not perfect sort of thing the the standard response and I said but we both just sat through a gospel doctrine lesson where that was taught where the teacher said that and another person said they cannot lead us astray why did you not say something you know I just challenged her why is it you're telling me now that it's okay to consider those people to be fallible? And we have to, you know, the only way the credibility of these people can survive is we acknowledge they're human and make mistakes sometimes. But why was that not taught in this lesson? Why did you not say anything about that? Well, that was taught as the absolute truth to everyone in the room. And, and this and is I it. Think... That is it, what plays out every Sunday, yeah. all the time in social media. It's the, they will not reconcile the two. They just won't. They're holding, it's the cognitive dissonance, the double thing from Orwell. They're holding two completely opposite positions and we've watched them do it, flip from one to the other when it's convenient. Oh, Joseph Smith did something bad. Oh, he's just infallible, you know, never mind. Um, but you can never criticize the living prophet. They've been drip feeding this sinister thought control mantras the living prophet outranks all the others. Well, that's nonsense. When I was a kid, the living prophet could only be trusted if they were in harmony with mm. the scriptures and all the previous prophets. They've given up even trying that one anymore. It's the whole script has flipped and, my, and they chill down my spine. I keep using that phrase, but why I'm, I'm just feel sick to my stomach and creeped out by these people is I was raised a Mormon in this church and the big warning all the time from primary onwards was Lucifer's plan of salvation is this. These are the, we were taught so much about it. It is, you can't have free agency to think for yourself. It is when the prophet speaks, the thinking has been done, which George Albert Smith or whoever repudiated. But this is what Ahmed Corbett is teaching um, very specifically. Everything we were taught was Lucifer, Satan's religion is now being taught as the holy religion and the true religion is being taught as Satan's plan by Ahmed Corbett to the chaplains. It's so please, Jane. Yeah, I am going to yeah. jump to everyone for some closing thoughts and if we could maybe mm. just keep it super brief, but we want to start off with you, PD, you've been going to say something. Mm. Um, will you help us wrap up? Uh, wrap up uh, no the recently it was halloween and there are people in the philippines i think who dig up their dead ancestors and they like spend the day with them could you imagine if we dug up some of the dead prophets and just said you know spend the day with them i also think elon musk i know he screwed up the whole twitter thing but if he really wants to make some money elon 
you should invest. I know you're doing that like neuronet thing where you put a chip in the brain. You should invest in a little light that they can put on their jackets with the little Neuralink that says when they're speaking as a prophet or a man. Because I tell you what, people will pay their tithing for that. You know? I just want some examples. Show, show me, tell me, t give me an example of when you were speaking. You, what, what happens when a, when a, a prophet was fallible? What did you do? Because we get taught the exact opposite. Um, but it's just, it's just a little red light. Bing, 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 bing. You um, know, to say, I, it, don't listen to me. I'm talking tripe. <laughs> Julian, I've got um, I've got the Manic Street Preachers song in my head. You know, if you tolerate this, then your children will be next. You know, they're they're really, really clamping down, and that's brilliant. And I, actually, I think I'm feeling a lot more positive than I did at the start when I heard that horrific clip, um, because I think the reason this is happening is because they know that most of the people in the congregation agree with us. Yeah, that's the reality. Certainly of the, the next generation, the majority of the people agree with us. And they know it. Um, Peter, can we do a 30 second closing comment? Uh -huh. And in my experience, um, then they leave. So that, there's no that 30 percent have now gone. And all you have left is people who are the drones that they want. But it doesn't work. The church still fails and, and shrinks. Um, my main thought is. The, the, the Mormonism itself has the answer to all of this. It has a separation of powers between different what are meant to be equal quorums of general authorities. It has accountability through common consent that nothing in the church is meant to be done without the say of the people and consulting them. Uh, we already have the answers. There are six filters to know whether to trust a prophet or not. Is it compatible with scripture? Does it make emotional sense coming from a place of compassionate love? Um, is it, does it make rational sense? Ponder before you pray. Is it, are all the prophet, all the apostles teaching these things rather than just one or two in isolation? They've re-emphasized that recently. Um, is it um, something that has been presented to the church for a common consent vote? Um, and how do you feel a spiritual witness of this thing? Mormonism taught us six filters to apply. Each of them on their own can be wrong and can be twisted. But if something can survive all six, we've already got the answer. When something survives all of those things, we can trust what a prophet's saying is from God. We have the answer. They won't go near any of that. So all they're doing is saying, don't think, believe what we tell you. Anyone criticizing us is inspired by Satan. Great. Thank you so much, Peter. Uh, Nemo, the Mormon. As our resident um, inspiree of Satan, uh, I would like to say to the people, don't trust anything I have to say um, because, you know, I'm clearly here to lead you astray. Uh, I think this talk, <laughs> as Julian said, is emblematic of the lack of control the church now has over its youth. I've been sent data that suggests that of all the people that could possibly be enrolled, so all the members of a church in a geographic area in Northern America, of all the members that could be enrolled in Institute, 3% are. Wow. Just 3%. So mm. the church is losing its young people and it's using them fast. And unfortunately, and I mean this, unfortunately, it's losing them to people like us. And the reason I think it's unfortunate is because the church should have provided the system whereby these people could explore their religion and they haven't provided it which means we have to step up and do the job so until they do we will continue um and that's it thank you so much um alana has asked me to wrap up for both of us this evening so um thank you so much for uh keeping an eye on things in the chat alana but what I um what I've learned from working and you know ha doing all these things alongside the rest of the Brit Avengers is that we make it really clear that we do not have all the answers that we have got some of the most important things in our lives very very wrong, um that any agenda that we have is about having important conversations about a faith system that we that we are connected to in different types of ways um that we that we love we care about the people and and 
you know, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and restoration movements. It's really, really important. And so uh, Peter, I, as we can see, is going to keep wearing his hat. We're all going to keep on standing for the things that are important to us. And we're going to keep having these conversations. Um, before you go, what is super important to 21st Century Saints right now is uh, that you go check out our webpage where you can find out how to donate and how to um, sign your name and add your name to the open letters and petitions that we have asking for safeguarding in the church now. Now, PD is going to be talking um, about, he has a great guest on this week. PD, do you want to do a shout out for your next show? Uh, this week on Sunday at 8 we have got Christy Johnson, who is the star of or and creator of uh, No Crime is No No Crime in Sin. That's the one I do know. Um, she's coming on, and that's amazing. And on the fourth of December, the Britvengers, along with one special guest, will be performing Cinderella, our very own take on Cinderella. On the Priest of Dispatches channel, I can see Julian is dying to smile under that beautiful beard. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be doing our best. No rehearsals, live and yeah, uncut. So come, be, bring your big boy pants because it might get weird. It's going to be a whole ton of fun. Now, everyone, if you can donate, if you can like, if you can subscribe, um, please, we'll send out links. So please, please do all of those uh, those wonderful things to help in our work. And uh, lastly, I'm going to ask you all, head over to, uh, to Mormon Stories, where they're about to start talking about this. Tell them all, the Brit Avengers said hi, jump into the chat and give them our love. And we will see you all in the next episode. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks for coming. Toodaloo. Bye. Bye.